0: Okay, so this is a podcast, so we're not exactly a harbor of breaking news, but hey, it is Thursday afternoon at Gateway Lounge. Matt and I have had a couple beers, and uh, this is very exciting that we've got, we've got some news that should still be very fresh for the first time anybody listens to this, and anyone who's listening now. Don't know if you heard this, Matt. You might want to lean in. Make sure you've got no distractions uh, so you can hear this really well, what I'm about to tell you. I don't know if you know this. South Dakota State football team, national champions. (laughs) FCS, they won it all. They did it. Oh, uh my God. Wow. That is amazing. It's funny. I did
1: have some USD fans tell me on Twitter that nobody cared. Are you serious? I did, yes. How drunk
0: were they? How
1: drunk were they? Uh, To be fair to them, (laughs) I think they were making reference to the the fact that it was played at the same time as the NFL games, which oh. was unfortunate and did affect the TV ratings, but yes, um, but that'd that be their
0: exact same feelings if USD was playing for the right. National I was gonna say, I'm, I'm pretty sure
1: if USD had made it this year, that's when the game would have been played, and I'm yeah. sure they would have cared.
0: It so. was, by the way, of all things we could talk about, uh, it was it, it was a really dumb time, and I still don't get it. I, I, uh, why? Okay, ABC's okay. He- ABC here's, first,
1: here's why. Okay, thank you. ABC had the rights to the game before any of this, and ABC also had. NFL games on Saturday. Right. Well, they, were, they weren't going to give up their own NFL games on Saturday, and ABC didn't have games on Sunday. Yeah. So they're like, okay, we're playing on Sunday. But... I get it. The, I, th- I think in this one situation, I don't think there was a whole lot they could have done. Uh, but Zach and I were talking about this yesterday. Then played on Friday night. Or better, played on Monday at noon or 1 o'clock. Have it be the lead-in to the FBS championship game that was played on Monday night. Because they're not in the same place. So you don't have to, you know, SDSU, NDSU at 1 o'clock. You watch that game, it's awesome. You have the post game, leads right into the pregame of TCU, Georgia.
0: Well, as far as I know, as far as I know, ABC's NFL doubleheader on Saturday, it was a Chiefs game, so I watched it. So I'm pretty sure that there was nothing before that. They could have played this. They could televised have it too. Saturday at 11 a.m. or noon. They've yeah. done that before. Isn't that when it usually is? Saturday at like 11 a.m. I don't think it's so, that early usually. But uh, well, I, maybe that, I don't plenty know. Plenty of people of that would have been a standalone game. Instead, as far as I know, it was nothing but college basketball. Uh, that was being televised across the country until that first NFL game. But whatever, Uh, those who watched it did. It was packed here at the Gateway Lounge, Jackson tells me. And uh, on an NFL Sunday in a town where, you know, there's a lot of different fans of a lot of different teams and every NFL game is on, he said it was close to 100%. This bar was watching and engaged in the Jackrabbits winning their first ever national championship. That's really cool. So we've got a lot to go over from there. I mean, it, it's four days later, so I want to get into: is this going to? Is this the start of a dynasty? Is, is John Stegelmeyer going to retire? Stuff like that. But we'll go, we'll go back to the game as well. But then that happens, and what do you know? We've got. Uh, we got a couple of Minnesota, New York things to discuss. Vikings, Giants in the playoffs, rematch, and then uh, Carlos Correa, <laughs> who was gonna go to the Mets, and now he's gonna stay with the Twins, and everybody in New York that I've heard, or nationally, uh, just thinks this is the most rotten thing ever. Uh, amidst all that, major, major big time things happening, major news coming from a half of this partnership, this, this dynamic duo of nobody's listening anyway. Big life-changing things. So just in case nobody saw it or followed it on social media, um, I shaved my goatee. <laughs> don't know if you saw us, but it's gone. And you s- <laughs> it's, a big, it's a big deal. Um, yeah, I, I, I tried it for a year. And, <laughs> and uh, what were you going to say?
1: Was this Gilbert's idea? Did he tell you? Uh, my facial hair situation is usually dependent on the opinion of my significant other, so I don't know if yeah, that's uh, why.
0: Uh, no, actually, he wa- he wanted to keep it. He really likes it. Uh, I, but any, I, uh, somebody else, uh, my okay, my uncle Jeff. He, he he's like he, he's just like what uh, what's going on with that face mullet? Why do you want that face mullet? You're on TV. Why do you want a face mullet? You see anybody other anybody else with those face mullets on TV? No. And and uh, and, he's, and and it's interesting. And I had all I had kind of been leaning toward shaving because i i wasn't i didn't love it i mean but you know gilbert liked it a few other people liked it some other women told me it looked sexy so whatever i had never done facial hair in my life so i did it i i bought into it but i got annoyed by it and just like okay fuck i just needed one little push and i and i, and I, I did it. i just did got it from it. uncle jeff i did it uh and uh uh, I still don't know how I feel about it, but uh, some people want to mention it and some people don't. It's not like anybody. Did you notice? Did you notice? I we, did not. You didn't even notice? Okay. No. All right. <laughs> well, that's great. I'm I a
1: heterosexual, guess. John. I don't notice this. I guess that's things.
0: fine. <laughs> well, the first two people that said anything about it in the Dakota News Now newsroom were men. I'm but I, I'm <laughs> also
1: one of those guys, though, that like <laughs> my own wife cuts three inches off her hair, and two hours later is like, are you going to say something? Right. Like, right. Oh, y- uh, yeah, y- yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, and so I'll wrap this up by saying once it happened and then I, I and then a couple people that I knew noticed or texted me. Uh, I was like, "Okay, so yeah, what do you think?" And and one of them said, "Well, and and my uncle said this as well. Well, bald guys with goatees cuz I thought maybe that was that balanced it out a little bit. Right. I got no hair and for lack of a better word, sometimes bald guys with no facial hair looked like a penis." <laughs> Like Tom Hanks talking to that uh, umpire in *A League of Their Own*, and uh, I don't know why I just said that because now everybody's gonna think of penises when they uh, stop, (laughs) stop, stop. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, but, but I just okay, much more appropriate. I think it looks like Doctor, uh, a little Doctor Evil-ish. Ever since Doctor Evil, you're bald, you have no facial hair, you have a potential to look like that, and I can't get that out of my brain. I don't want to look like that, but uh, but, yeah,
1: I used to like have it because you know. I've had very long hair at various times in my life, and if I had long hair, mm. I usually wanted to have less facial hair. Yeah. And then if I would, when I would get a haircut and cut my hair really short, I didn't want like my beard to be longer than the hair in my head. You know, okay. it was always sort of this this math problem of <laughs> balancing yes. the hair on it's your head thing. with the hair on your face. Yes, it's so a the, thing. I do I do relate to that a little bit.
0: And I just thought, okay, uh, maybe, anyway, that was balancing it out. That's my hair, right? I can't grow it up here. I don't want a half dome. Somebody, my uncle was telling me, "Just yeah, grow out the halftone. I'm like, "No, I'm not doing a." The half Homer dunk.
1: Simpson look. No, yeah. I'm not yeah. doing
0: that. And uh, so, but then people would tell me post mortem, after the goatee was gone, you look like. Uh, well, my uncle thought I looked like uh, WWE wrestlers from the 90s or something like Big that. Big Show. Like basically, you look like a douche. <laughs> a guy with a goatee looks like a, a bald head, and a goatee looks like a douche. Or as one friend pointed out, uh, like 90s movie, 90s Bond villains. The uh, bald head and the goatee. So. Yeah,
1: I mean, white bald guys do look a little evil. It's just a thing.
0: Yeah, whether you got a goatee or not. Yeah, yeah. kind of. Well, that's why I wear a hat a lot. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's that. Oh. Um, uh, yeah, do you feel like this is uh, – I don't want to start – just go st- to- torpedo this thing straight to Dynasty for Jackrabbit football. I always think it's a little ridiculous – like when Aaron Rodgers won his first Super Bowl, well, this is the, I mean, he's 25 years old. This is the first of many more, and mm-hmm. he hasn't won one since. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I like to pump those breaks. But, okay, at least for next year, like almost everybody who's really good, it's a strong enough team to come back and do it again next year.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, you know, one thing that came up a lot while we were in Frisco, I think it was Mike McFeely who said it um, out loud in the press box. He's talking about, you know, we've been waiting for years to finally get this SDSU versus NDSU championship. I wrote a column that the headline was literally, finally, SDSU, NDSU. That's all fine and good. It is a long time in coming. We finally got this. But what Mike said was, it's cool, it's awesome this year. This is great. This is cool. This is what we've been waiting for. Wait till we get it six years in a row. Then we're going to be really sick of it. Now, is it going to be six years in a row of the exact same two teams? Probably not. But it could be. And even if it's not, these two teams are going to be coming back to Fresco. Are the Jacks going to repeat as champions? Maybe not. I mean, if you put a gun to my head and said Jacks are the field, who's going to win it next year, probably a safer bet to take the field just because it usually is. is. It always is, yeah. Um, But, geez, they they lose Tucker Craft, Caleb Sanders, Reese Winkleman, and that's about it. A couple other guys that are escaping my mind at the moment. But they're loaded with everybody coming back. And the Bison are, too. You know, they lose a few more guys. Some guys entered the portal. I, th- I think Hunter Lipke's going pro. Um, but, I mean, these two teams are so much better than everyone else, and they're not losing anybody. Um, are the Jacks going to repeat as champions? There's a good chance they will. If Whether they do or do not, I think probably the easiest way to sum it up, North Dakota State has not won its last FCS National Championship. South Dakota State has not won its hmm. last FCS national championship. I think they will both win again.
0: I thought NDSU is just is just dying to go to FBS. They is are. That, is that more media driven or is oh, that they, true? Oh,
1: they no, they they would like to go. It just it's not imminent. Yeah, the the way college football is, you know, we've been waiting for this big <laughs> sea change in college football. You know, the FBS is going to break up, or you know, the NCAA is going to dissolve, and the big the the power fives are going to go off and do their own thing, or. Alabama, the SEC, and the top schools of the Big Ten are going to form their own whatever. You know, maybe that will happen someday, but that stuff isn't happening yet. This doomsday we've been talking about it has not arrived. This breakup of the NCAA of FBS football it has not happened yet. Until it does, the Bison are pretty much stuck in the Missouri Valley Football Conference.
0: Yeah. Well, it's it's. I don't I don't want to go down this road for too long, but it's it's also it's also geographical, a lot more no, sensical. It's, it,
1: but it's totally geographical. What I'm saying is, yeah. if the FBS broke up, then there would be some probably geographical partners out there because in theory the MAC or the Mountain West, some of those teams would would not want to be a part of that upper level. Yeah. So then you'd have more partners. Right now there aren't a lot of other partners. Um, you know, you've probably seen that Twitter account out there somewhere for the someone started some push for a great north conference or something it's like the dakota schools the montana schools uh northern iowa you know basically and then a couple of the MAC schools a couple of the mountain west schools all getting together yeah uh and yeah that's awesome that'd be a great idea that would be but that's not happening yet and even if something like that were to ever happen it's at least several years away
0: so those the poor, bored bison have to hang have around. To settle for more trips to Frisco. bunt around the old minor leagues a little bit. Well, but, but I wonder if not just losing for the first time in 10 national title games and losing to South Dakota State for the fourth time in a row and the sixth time in eight games, Maybe that 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 not just lights a fire under players and coaches, the proverbial lighting of the fire, the mm-hmm. bad taste in the mouth, mm-hmm. but also maybe under the fan base that 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 maybe they're yeah. not are they not so bored with this after all now that they know that it's not inevitable that they're going to win the national championship?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, but but
0: it really only circles back to one game a year for them. This is the only team that really can beat them.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, they almost lost Incarnate Word.
0: True. Um. So maybe their cage is a little rattled.
1: And, and the fact that they lost to SDSU and got their ass kicked, too. It's mm-hmm. so like it was a, you know, they got smoked. Um, yeah, I think there's, there's something to that. Uh, but if the Bison win the title next year, which they could, then I think it's a little bit more of a, you know, oh, okay, we're still the top dog. I almost feel like they have to not win it for consecutive years, which hasn't happened. You know, they won it five years in a row, and then they've won it at least every other year since then. They have never gone more than one full season without being national champions since 2011. Now, like I said, the Jacks are gonna be loaded next year and I don't you know maybe Incarnate Word, Montana State, maybe somebody else out there uh, is ready to, to to step into that um, role as, as a, a legit championship contender. If the jacks win it next year again or someone else wins it, then I think if you're NDSU, then it's like, all right, what's going on here? That's two years row. we lose every now and then that happens. We lost to James Madison. We lost to whoever, um, Sam Houston, but two years in a row, of not getting a championship. All right, let's, let's get this shit figured out. I th- I could see that being more of what, lights the proverbial fire, so to speak.
0: I, I do really want to dive into uh, what an amazing run it's been for the Jackrabbits, how awesome it was to win the national title. But at this point, we, we saw the run, we saw the game, uh, we basked in it for the last few days. I am really intrigued about the North Dakota State side of this. Um, is we, We've touched on it time here and time there this season, I and mean, even a little bit of last season when they still went on to win the national title and the Jacks didn't make it to that game. But okay, how how much does it feel after that game, that convincing of a win, um, that that things are slipping there, that maybe they don't have the right head coach, mm. and maybe they're not going to get the quality of players they've been getting, and again, and this is again in the scope of the two horse race, not in the national yeah. FCS prism. Yeah. I mean. Um, d- does this loss really make them feel like, oh, we're we're losing our we're losing our grip? Of course, they've lost some of their grip, but how much yeah. of their grip?
1: I mean, I think that was already happening a little bit. You know, Matt Ants stepped into such a tough oh, situation. Yeah. You know, Craig you got Bo- nowhere to go but down. Craig Bold builds this amazing thing, and when he leaves, it's like, geez, how's Chris Kleiman gonna? You know, and Kleiman managed to take it up another notch, which, to, to his credit, obviously, Kleiman steps away. I thought they were going to open it up to a national search when Kleiman left. They gave it to Entz. like, all right, okay. And he obviously had immediate success. But I don't mean this in any disrespect to Matt Entz, but they probably could have hired you and me to run the team, and we wanted to run it into the ground because that first year or two, you're just taking over Chris Kleiman's players, Chris Kleiman's schemes, Chris Kleiman's coaching staff, all of it. It takes a while for a new guy to... To ruin it, so to speak.
0: Frank Solich. That's your Nebraska reference sure, number one today. Sure, Frank Solich um, for Tom Osborne.
1: Um, and I think there's obviously been a fear in Fargo that that's what was going to happen, that ants was going to be the guy that was going to let it slip. And there are some signs that that's happening. Um, I really like Matt Ants. I think he's a cool guy. I think yeah. he's a good dude. You saw probably how... Genuinely happy, he seemed to be for John Stigelmeyer. He gave him a huge bear hug after yep, the game. And I did went out of his way to like. I'm not going to make any excuses. That was a great team, um, and some of it, yeah, you just have to give credit to the Jacks. You know, they've been building this for a dozen years. I've been saying over and over again on all the formats that I get paid to talk on, like the Jacks played the long game. They did not try to beat do this overnight. Mm. This has been a long time coming. I think we can say that as recently as maybe three, four, five years ago, we all felt like this day was inevitable. The Jacks were going to win a national championship at some point. You could sort of feel it coming. The fact that it happened so definitively this year that they kicked their asses the way they did, that's kind of jarring. But then you take a step back and go, why are we surprised? This is what they've been, you know, not that we are surprised, but just, you know, of course, this is what they've been building towards. Some of that you just have to give credit to the Jacks. But then also, it doesn't have to be Something as simple as, "Oh well, Matt Enz is the wrong coach, and they need to get rid of him." And you know, like, like you just said, it. There's only there's nowhere to go but down when you're winning a championship mm-hmm. every single year. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that Matt Enz is recruiting the wrong guys or that he just isn't the right leader, or the right you know motivator or whatever. I mean, like, at some point, you know. Do players still want to keep going there? Like, uh, you know, I mean, I'm not going to play if I go there. I'm going to have to wait to play. South Dakota State's sitting over there trying to recruit guys going, hi, come here. We can be the team that slays the dragon, you know. Obviously, SDSU's been winning some recruiting battles with NDSU. That didn't used to happen. There's all sorts of things that go into it. And, oh, by the way, North Dakota State's still really good, you know. They won the national championship just last year. They made it to the national championship again this year with a ton of injuries. I'm not trying to take anything away from the Jacks, certainly, but – that game's probably different if all those guys are healthy for NDSU. Um, the idea that the Bison, you know, are are down, so to speak. I mean, yeah, I was surprised they lost to Arizona. Um, but that, they lost to Arizona and they lost to the Jacks. That's it. Mm-hmm. You know, they're still really good.
0: Yeah. Well, that's a part of the game where I think about your whole scope of the law of averages, you know, you, 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 you like to use that term sometimes, and sometimes I roll my eyes at that thought. But it, the, in the in the really broad period of time law of averages, it finally bounced in South Dakota State's way. Uh-huh. I still firmly believe they are the better program and they were the better team, and they would have won that game if North Dakota State was full strength. But the law of averages did bounce their way as far as all these times – that, for, that they slipped on the banana peel, that blowout, 10 turnovers or whatever against James Madison a few years ago, and um, the misfortune of Mark Gronowski yep. getting hurt yep. immediately in the, in the national title game two years ago. And finally, I'm sure the Jacks have gotten some nice little breaks along the way, but that was a nice little break, you know. I mean, the, the, you mentioned it in our pre-podcast last week that the Bison were without their best weapon. And, but the Jacks got theirs back. We're they were, a, theirs, they so. were able to win and beat NDSU without Tucker Craft. So it's all legitimate. But isn't it kind of nice to have the wind at your back just a little? And to also, I mean, it, it would have been really cool to win that game uh, in a last-minute thriller or a fourth-quarter game. Uh-huh. But it had to be, you know, I did wake up that day. I, I wouldn't predict it, and I didn't make any predictions. But thinking, boy, what if this is just a nice little runaway coronation? Mm-hmm. And for the most part, it was. I mean, yes. that was out of, that was, I think most people knew at 31-14 at halftime that mm-hmm. it's, Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's crazier things have happened. But.
1: Well, I mean, I was in Frisco by Thursday, and Friday and Saturday was out on the town being around fans. Um, I interacted with literally hundreds of Jackrabbit fans while I was down there. And a lot of Bison fans, too. And I'm talking about in person. That's not even all the people I was constantly talking with via Twitter and crap like that. Um, you couldn't find anyone who thought the Bison were going to win. On, really? On either side. Wow. Uh, um, yeah, and that was a little surprising to me <laughs> because there was all this. Yeah, we all know the Jacks are the, are the better team this year. We all knew that. But it's like, it's still the Bison. They're still in a 9 0. They don't lose in Frisco. You know, this is Fargo South. They're going to find a way. That narrative was still out there and understandably you know that means something having that of on your resume but every Jack's fan I talked to was like there's we're just that much better than them you know and we should have we have more at stake you know if they lose who cares you know you've already got nine of them and you know that you're you know you're short-handed you're not as good like they're Weirdly enough, like the Bison were the team that had no pressure on them. There's no big deal. House you know? money. Yeah, exactly. If the Bison won, it, it was going to be like, oh wow, we didn't even have our best team and we still exactly. won. Exactly. You know that would have. I mean that would have
0: that would have made it hurt extra hard. Absolutely. For South Dakota State.
1: <laughs> um, and then, but so you talked to some Jacks fans that were still kind of like, well, you know, uh, it, you still don't know just because you know whatever might happen. Um. But I, when I talked to Bison fans, and I talked to a lot of them, too, down there, they all said to me, they're like, here's why we can't win. We're not better at any position. Mm. Mark Gronowski is better than Cam Miller. Isaiah Davis is better than any of the five running backs NDSU was going to have to play with because of the injury. You know, Cody Mock, their left tackle, is probably the best offensive lineman in the game. But five for five, the Jacks are better than their five. Defensive line, Jacks. Linebacker, Jacks. Secondary, probably NDSU, but not by a lot. And if that's it, that's all you got, you know? I mean, just you just looked at it and said, objectively, no matter which side you're on, this is the better team over here. Yeah. The only way they lose is if they come out and shit the bed. You know, they're scared or they're nervous or they, you know, just have one of those games where they come out and yeah. lay an egg and make a bunch of mental mistakes. Yep. Well, that didn't happen. They came out and played perfect. Yeah. And they kicked their
0: ass. Yeah, I mean, it was, um again, I, I tweeted after the game that, I felt like I felt like John Stiegelmeyer's legacy was already sealed. Incredible coach, incredible human, built this thing up national championship caliber. But of course, it would feel the the resume's a little empty. And anybody who intimately watched this step by step, year by year, game by game, would be like, Jesus, he couldn't. He just could never win that national title. Uh-huh. But. It's not so much like, oh, he's proven it now. He did, of course. I mean, having been that well-prepared, being the team expected to win, and finally doing it, getting over all those historical and psychological hurdles. But to do it that convincingly, okay, they were clearly well-prepared, and they were clearly psychologically ready. Whatever buttons he pushed, I saw some of the interviews that you did and, and tweeted out from the media days, and those guys just looked so relaxed and confident. It wasn't fake. Uh... And so I'm just more I'm just more happy for him. Like, mm-hmm. he, he gets that bow tie. He, we, we use the word deserve too much, probably in sports, probably in society and humanity. But who deserves something more than John Stegelmeyer deserved a national title?
1: Yeah. And that's why, you know, the column I wrote where I kind of made reference to the fact that, geez, John, go ahead and celebrate this. You know, and we, we were, when I say we, I mean me and the other reporters there, we were all talking about that, like, John, we get it. You're humble, and you want to make sure your players get all the credit. They deserve it, and that's great of you, but go ahead and take a minute to say, yeah, this is awesome. I'll celebrate this. You know, He just didn't want to do that, and that's fine. That's sort of John's personality, but everyone was thinking that. Everyone was happy for him. If they had lost this game, that would have been so damaging to, to Stig's not his his reputation or his legacy, but it definitely would have been like, is this ever going to happen? Of course, because would have. I, I, I'm pretty sure Justin Sell means it when he says that John Stiegelmaier can coach there as long as he wants to. But if they did not got this done, there would have been a a, a very vocal por- portion of Jackrabbit fans going, "Make a change." Yeah, you know, this guy obviously can't do it. If he couldn't do it this year, it's not going to happen. We need someone to carry us over the finish line, right? And. I don't want John to go. Justin Sell doesn't want John to go. No, everyone was rooting for him from that standpoint, but so it's nice to not not have to to deal with that anymore. You know, he he proved it. He did it. And again, I think it matters he did it emphatically. Yep. And he did it against the the big, you know, the North Dakota State. They went 14 and 0 against FCS teams this year. They had two close games. The Bison, which they dominated the second half. And UNI, which is one of the toughest places to play. Yeah. They, they just always, and it's always just a tough matchup for them. Every other game, they kick their opponent's ass. The playoffs won every game by 21 points or more. The Holy Cross game was closer than the final score, but they still won by 21. And then you even look back, the one game they lost, Iowa, the FBS game. Who do you think wins if those two teams play today? I'm asking you. That's not a hypothetical question.
0: Uh, SDSU. Yeah.
1: I mean, Mark Granowski was still trying to figure out how to play football again, coming off an injury. Mm-hmm. Zach Lujan's a rookie offensive coordinator. Iowa's punter, get, they get a ton of breaks. The Jacks are starting every single drive at the one-yard line. Yeah. If this team's played again today, I'm confident the Jacks win that True. game. Yeah. And you know what else? Zach and I talked about this yesterday. If all those weird circumstances hadn't happened in that game and the Jacks win it then in August, this season ends up 15-0 and with a win over a Big Ten team yeah. that goes to a bowl game. Yeah. You're talking about, hey, this is the greatest team in FCS history. That's how definitive this
0: was. Can you still have that conversation? I mean, they're when they prob- went fourteen and zero against FCS competition. They're probably in
1: there. They're probably in there in yeah. that discussion.
0: Uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a good John Stegmaier impression. Uh, uh, he says he does that a lot. Um, I've noticed. It was um, no, it was, it was really cool to see him win. Now he's now he's got that up there. But I, NDSU and USD fans love to make fun of his aw shucks thing, and some of them question if it's genuine or not. I'm not surprised by any of this, and it to me this is Nebraska football reference number two. He's somewhat followed the arc of Tom Osborne. He didn't take over an already top five juggernaut blue blood like Tom Osborne did for Bob Devaney in 1973, but it, it took, I think, Tom Osborne 22 years to win a national title. He had at least two, I think, two national championship game losses three he had three national championship say, yeah. game losses uh all in the orange bowl uh before he finally got it stig had won um but you know it's the same thing and he's in what year 20 this was his 26th year mm-hmm. but it's uh it's very similar very similar personalities john's a little more charismatic than i mean tom osborne was the just the just the definition of stoic and boring, boring. uh and i mean he had some good one-liners and he was kind of off shucks but Um, And when he won the national title for the first time after all those heartbreaks, uh, he, you know, he really wasn't smiling when his players carried him off the field and his press conference sounded like every other one and nobody was that surprised. So I don't think uh, I'll go back to my own little personal um, my own little personal interaction or or touch brush with this back. Midseason, after they had beaten North Dakota State, and I go up to Brookings to do this t- TV story for Dakota News Now about this yeah. Fargo yeah. radio host who lost a bet, had to live in Brookings for a few days, and we go and John Stiegemeyer pardons him, and you know Stig took uh, an hour out of his day that he had not planned on when the day started. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I called him up out of the blue, and he basically spent an hour for us just walking around and talking to this guy and doing an interview. And uh, but part of the interview, when I when I asked him. Uh, would you have been willing to be a part of this thing that we're doing right now um, a few years ago, or you know, because when, when they were, they were when, they, you all the time. when they were getting beat by North Dakota State all the time, and he said probably not, but mm-hmm. now, and he just said my life is a lot more. Right? He might have even said the word isn't. My life isn't winning and losing football games. Now, to a degree, you can all—we can all roll our eyes at that and say, "No, that's what you're paid to do. Give it's me a break." Literally, your life. Yeah. You wouldn't have a job if you said that. But he said, "My life—it's—it's it's now about making memories, and that might, again, you can question how genuine that is. Maybe he's just saying that for this piece." Mm-hmm. But he felt like he really meant it, and he really enjoyed it, that he had this unexpected little day with this North Dakota State dude out of the blue. Um, He obviously understands what good PR is, and even though he's got plenty of equity built up, this was going to be another nice thing that's going to make him and South Dakota State football look good. Uh, But more than anything, he said the making memory line, and again, that's an overused cliche these days. However, he said that exact same thing after he wins the national title. Yeah, that uh, hey, we, we made a, a memory. memory today, yeah, yeah. and yeah, you guess I don't think it's just I don't think it's uh, corny or well, it's corny. I don't think it's fake. I think it's just corny. I think that's who he is. He's a little bit he's a little bit corny, but I really do think he it's it's similar to Tom Osborne in that he's proud of all the work he's done, his program has done. He's proud and has has soaked in the journey. And um, the prize is nice and it's a lot better than not getting that prize, but it didn't necessarily it's not to him it's not gonna change who who he is or what he does. And having said that, we should probably bring up, okay, is this it? Do we have any sense of if this is it? He if, if it is, he decided not to announce r- it at their grab, celebration. Yeah, thing grab the him. spotlight and, yeah. and do it right after they win a national title. What's yeah. what's your feeling? Have you heard anything?
1: I don't think he's gonna hang him up. I think he would have I think he would have done it by now, but I could – let me preface that. I could definitely be wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, There's still time for him to hang him up. Uh, There were a lot of rumors going around this week in Frisco Mm -hmm. that Jimmy Rogers was fielding offers from other schools. Um, I shouldn't say fielding offers, that that other schools were interested in Jimmy Rogers. And he's the heir apparent. And so there's this sense that, like, well, geez – you know how much longer is Jimmy going sti- to or is is Stig going to stick around? How much longer is Jimmy going to wait? That gets a little dicey. Um, John, he won he won it now. You know he's got that was the one thing he hadn't done yet. You know some people wonder is he just hanging around just to win this national championship? And I don't think he is. John has been very upfront, and this is to his credit, of saying like, hey, my job's way easier than it used to be. Yes. You know in the D two days, a D two coach has to do everything. In D one, you know, we talk about it on this podcast all the time. John's a CEO who puts people in, in place and lets them do their jobs. He is a hands-off coach. That doesn't mean he doesn't do anything. And like I said, with all the turnover you've seen on this staff, that they just won a national championship with a 29-year-old rookie offensive coordinator and you know like that speaks to how good John is at putting the right people in place and letting them do their jobs. But yeah, there's some speculation that okay, now that he finally got it, is he going to hang him up? Uh, I asked Justin Sell at the party the other night. And I didn't. Sp- it was. A l- I don't know if it was on the record, off the record. I was just kind of like, oh, "What do you think? What's he gonna do?" And and Justin's like, "I don't know." You know, I mean, and maybe he does know, and he just didn't want to tell me. I don't know, but he seemed kind of like, "Nah, I really don't know." But he did say to me, as he said over and over again, like, "He can coach here as long as he wants." And he said that before he had a national championship. Now that he's got one, that's even more mm. the case. John told me the last time I asked him about it, and this was a while ago, probably three years ago. I asked John, "How much long are you gonna do this?" You know, you're and he said. And you know John well enough to know that he sort of, you know when he's letting his guard down a little bit and really talking to you in a, in a man-to-man sort of yes. way. Uh, I was like, well, and he goes, Matt? Which is the first, yeah. the first indication. He's like, Matt, yeah. I'm about to tell you. You know, yeah. He's like, I have a deal with my wife. When she comes to me and says, John, it's time to come home. It's time to be done with football.
0: Time to be a grandfather. Yeah,
1: he's like, I we have an agreement that when she says that to me, I will honor that. Whether I've won a national championship or not, when Lori says it's time to come home, I'm coming home. And the way John explained that to me, it felt very genuine. Not some sort of corny, like, eh, <laughs> you know, I'm letting the wife make me know. Like, it was pretty real. And then when I asked Justin last night or two nights ago, he said the same thing. He's like, well, you know, if. Of, I think it might be up to Lori. You know, and it, it sounds funny, but I think he meant it. And I don't know Lori Stegmaier very well. You know, I've met her a couple of times, but you know, John's sixty-six years old. He's going to be in a month. That's not a young man. But we've said many times before, he's a young sixty-six. He loves what he's doing. He's got a great staff that makes this job the kind of thing that isn't too stressful on him. You can see this is not. There's a lot of football coaches out there who you know <laughs> are. Forty five going on ninety Absolutely. because they let the job kill them and yes. they're alcoholics and they got all these problems and yes. that's not Stig. You know, you can tell this job Scott has, Frost. does you not just, you
0: just said Scott Frost.
1: Yeah. <laughs> this job is not wearing on, yeah. yeah. and you know, if his wife enjoys that he's enjoying it and
0: likes being a part of this and seeing what he's doing, maybe she'll say, John, coach till you're eighty. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting, uh, Nebraska and Tom Osborne reference number four is after he uh, after he retired, uh, now I, I should say, after he retired from being a congressman, because he went pretty much straight from being Nebraska's football <laughs> coach to being a three term congressman. Uh, and he was in his early 60s. He retired at 60 um, from football. But once he was done with all that, uh, the joke uh, his, his wife, Nancy Osborne, said after a month or two, and uh, this has probably been the case with a lot of guys who have retired from just working all the time. Uh, you know, she said one day Tom Osborne was rearranging the uh, silverware drawer in their kitchen you know mm-hmm. like so bored or so not what do <laughs> I do and such a type A or whatever OCD <laughs> And that was the moment she said, okay Tom, you need, you need to go back and do something. This is like get out of here And unless anyone be the but AD? Now this is everybody's individual personality. like you and I have talked about this on here before and in, and and off, and off of this as well. I don't think you or I see ourselves uh, working at 66 if we don't have to. If we're if we if we can financially take care of it, mm-hmm. it seems like you and I are both the type of people who uh, a job's not that important, a career's not that important. Yeah, but if you're enjoy getting life. paid
1: three hundred thousand dollars a year to yes. just do something fun and cool, and, and it's a great job, right? That's what I'm saying. And you're
0: a people person. That's a people person job, and I think he's a people person. It's very genuine that he. Uh, Likes to be around uh, young people, help them improve as players and men, and and his assistants work with his dudes all day. As much younger, I think it keeps him young because he's much older than everybody else, and um, and it also probably does feel kind of like a year-to-year thing. I still like this, and that visit that I had with him that day against the middle of the afternoon, well before practice, and uh, we were both me and the guy Chris uh, Chris Hansen was his name from Fargo. We were like, gosh, thanks for you know, oh really you don't mind if we take another uh, half hour to go down and check out the uh, N Jack and, uh, and he just kind of, and, and, you know, Stig just kind of laughed. He said, everybody thinks the head coach is up to his ears. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, mm-hmm. and he was kind of joking. I know he's busier than that because during our time, two or three people would come into his office, always asking him this or that. Mm-hmm. But anyway, it seems like he's got it for that job, that profession. He's got it perfect right now. Mm-hmm. And that's probably very hard to give up. Mm-hmm. Because uh, cause now, as we've uh, mentioned, th- this this train could just keep rolling. And it's not so much I've got to be the head coach of that and have my name attached to it and have more national titles attached to my name. It's just kind of like, why hop off that train? Right. So. Yeah. So,
1: like I said, and he has 199 career wins now. Oh, yeah. Maybe he just wants to get to 200. I, that doesn't seem like the kind of thing Stig would give a shit about. But, you know. Hey, one more year, get over two hundred.
0: I don't know. That's uh, I think most coaches care care about that more than they say they do. Probably it, it was a joke, but but Tim Miles told me Nebraska fired him at three ninety nine, <laughs> and so uh, he had been uh, a few months into he had been he had been a year and a half actually over a year into not coaching. He was an analyst for the Big uh-huh, Ten. Network. He he's just uh-huh. kind of farting around, counting his money in Lincoln, and loving it. And so, actually, it was just for this podcast back when we had guests. And uh, I, I asked him about, you know, is he going to coach again or not. He's like 54 years old. So, he's like, uh, he said. Uh, I need to get to 400. He, yes, he said. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it was a joke, but, like, at right. least it was on his he mind. At least it. he yeah. knew. Because yeah. a lot of coaches say they don't know how to Oh, somebody just told me. I didn't know. I didn't know. Yeah. I was, oh, I didn't know. I was about yeah. to win 700. Yeah. Um, all right. So, it, okay. Do, do you. Uh, the dynasty. We we've kind of mentioned the possible dynasty thing. You still think this just might be an NDSU and SDSU dynasty for a, for a while? I th-
1: I definitely think so.
0: Like no, like North Dakota State's not going to fall off the no fall no. off the earth here. And who is who else is there? There's the Montana
1: schools. Uh, they're good. I know Montana didn't have a great year this year, but I think just the facilities, the infrastructure, the fan base, a good coach, they'll be there. Montana State had a great team this year. The Jacks kicked the shit out of them and. They deserve that because Montana State clearly didn't respect them. But um, they're going to be good. There's going to be other teams. We'll see what happens with Incarnate Word and some of these other schools that are, are kind of sprouting up, so to speak. But, I mean, just in the Missouri Valley, how much the gap has widened between the Bison and Jacks and everyone else. Northern Iowa, Southern Illinois, the Yotes, other schools that have been to the playoffs, Illinois State, You know, they've been to the playoffs. Illinois State's been to a national championship game. Youngstown State's been to a national championship game. But they're so far away. Um, We're going to see, like I I said earlier, the Jacks have not won their last national championship. The Bison have not won their last national championship. And I also think we have not seen our last Jacks-Bison national Mm. championship.
0: Well, that's fun. I I mean, I think that that, that's not old yet to me. Uh, And if anything, it's very compelling that um – that South Dakota State owns this rivalry now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was same thing with, like, Nebraska-Iowa, reference number five. For the first <laughs> couple of years, Nebraska was better program and beat Iowa uh, easily And um, when Nebraska joined the Big Ten. And the second Iowa killed Nebraska by 21 points in matchup number three, it was like, oh, okay, okay, we can call this a rivalry now. Mm-hmm. And then Nebraska won the uh, fourth game, so they had won three out of four and then after that Iowa won 7 in a row. That 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 all of a sudden right. it, it, it's real and it's healthy. I mean it's mm-hmm. uh, this this rivalry is healthy now. I'd love to unload the uh, you know other things about the game itself or the trip itself notebook uh, beyond the big picture like uh, I mean I, we can zero in on the game and I mean it just seems like everybody had a great game for the Jacks. Every, I don't
1: think uh, we need to say anything more about the game. Yeah. The Jacks it, beat the shit it,
0: out it, of it was what it was and uh, every player shined and all facets, all positions. Um, n- n- you, you didn't really know what to expect out of the Frisco experience because the one you had in May of 2021 was kind of bizarre and unconventional. Uh-huh. So you, I, I, I saw your tweets, seemed to be having a good time. And uh, others who had been there for a while, a few times, had shown you the ropes. What was it like?
1: It was great. I mean, the weather was awesome. That, yeah. was, that was a big part of it. Um, Friday and Saturday night, the place that kind of was adopted as the Jackrabbit's headquarters, it was a bar called The Local. They ran out of beer two nights in a row. Um, You run out of beer one night, okay. Yeah. But then to not be prepared the next night and do it again, (laughs) like, it was a zoo. Yeah. And it was fun. I mean, it was – just absolutely crawling with thousands of Jackrabbit fans, and I, I couldn't spend a dollar if I wanted to. Just people buying me beers. Aww. I mean it was, but I mean it was like that everywhere. I mean just like you know there's so many Jacks fans there. I'm sure former players that were there were the same way. You know there's people down there. Let me get you a beer. Let me get you a beer. Yeah. It was it was absolutely nuts, and it was super fun. Um, were you hung over at all? I was on Saturday. I behaved myself on Saturday to make sure that I wasn't hung over yeah. Sunday for the game. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it was, it was really cool. And then, you know, we knew there were gonna be a lot of Jacks fans there. They had turned out pretty well in the spring season when there were limited numbers of how many people could come. And that was the thing about that trip in the spring season. Everyone was like, okay, well, if we turn out this well during a pandemic, just think if we ever make it back in a quote unquote real season, what it's gonna look like. And that's exactly what happened. It was huge. And the week leading up to the game, You know, there were, it was kind of a clusterfuck getting tickets, and there were people worried that they weren't going to be able to get to the game. And oh, well, it's because the Bison buy all the tickets in advance because they know they're going to be there. So there's all these Bison fans that already have the tickets, and it's going to be a sea of green and gold. And there's, you know, the Jacks are going to get washed out by all the Bison fans. What we had heard, like, say, by Wednesday was expected to be about 70, 30 Bison fans at the game. And I was like, well, I guess. You know, Fargo's three times as big as Brookings. Bison have been to the championship how many times? You know, their fans buy the tickets in advance. They've done this. Like, I guess that makes some sense. The closer we got to the game and you looked around Frisco and saw this shit going on at the local, it's like, 70-30, really? Like, I don't know. Like, there seems to be a whole lot of people here from South Dakota. Then you get to game day, Sunday. I got there at 8 o'clock for a 1 o'clock kickoff. And there were already. You um, got there at 8 o'clock? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. There was already hundreds of people tailgating. Oh my god, OK. And I went out and hung out at the tailgate for a while, just to kind of talk to some fans and get some photos of the of the tailgaters, and hang out with the Jack's Illustrated dudes for a while, and talk to some former players. And um, it's like, wow, this is. This is really something. Then I was like, well, I better go work. you know. <laughs> so I left the tailgate to walk into the stadium. I go up in the press box and have breakfast and kind of farting around. And, and I sit down in my seat, which is facing the main entrance. Same view you had on TV looking across from the press box. And there's just a sea of blue filing into the stadium, sitting down, but just keep filing in, keep filing in, keep filing in. And then you saw it once the game started. I mean, that whole side of the field was completely yep. blue. Yep. Now, obviously, you couldn't see the, the press box side, which was all green and yellow, because they, they kind of sold it that way. Jax fans on this side, Bison fans on the other side. And then the end zones were a little a free-for-all. Jax fans swore up and down, as did Jax players, that there was more blue than yellow. Bison fans swear up and down that there was more green, yellow, than blue. It was pretty damn close to 50-50. I thought maybe there was a tad more Bison fans just because of the end zone. It looked like there were a few more Bison fans. But then when the game ended and the Jacks won and they have the celebration, you know, they're on the, s- the players are on the stage on the one side. I went over on the stage and I was going to go down onto the field to try to get video and photos looking up at the stage as the players celebrated. There were so many people down on the field. I'm claustrophobic. Like... I was like, I gotta get out of here. I'm gonna get trampled. I'm gonna hyperventilate. I got the fuck off that field because there were so many people coming down there, and I go up on the stage and look, and the Jacks fans stretched all the way to the other goalpost. The entire they went a hundred yards deep. Jacks fans on the field for the postgame wow. celebration. Okay. The entire playing surface was covered with people in blue shirts. Terrific. It was amazing.
0: Terrific. Any any other uh, photographic memories that you always have from? The whole celebration experience, um, players, fans, Just otherwise. looking
1: down, when I was up on the stage, looking down, seeing how many faces I recognized. I saw Jake Winicky, I saw Jordan Brown. I saw Cam Jones. Uh, I think I saw Brian Witzman. I mean, all, all these dudes, like, you know, hey, they made the trip, you know. And I talked to some of them, and they are like, this is awesome. I'm not jealous. This is amazing. You know, they finally got it done. And uh, I wrote about it in my column, um, one of the Yankee Yankee twins running over and hugging Blair Mulholland, you know Blair Mulholland was a backup running back for five years, hardly ever played. He flew down to Frisco from wherever he lives, you know, and was there. Wow, and at the end of the game, ran over to one of the Yankees and gave him this big bear hug, and you know it was just like, you know that shit like literally like you know tugs at your heartstrings a little bit like that's that's really something, and I don't think enough credit can be given to Ryan McKnight and the jfpa the jackrabbit former players association with how they have created this alumni thing that is it's so strong there's fbs teams there's big 10 teams that don't have this kind of culture this atmosphere this environment where the former players are so involved with the younger players the current players i mentioned that to cam jones cam jones graduated seven years ago i was talking to him the other night and i was like It's crazy to me how many of the current players know who you are, you know? Like, why the hell, you know, generally it's like, who's that guy? I don't know. I was an eighth grader when that guy played. Why would I, you know, they know who these guys are. They care about that. They take notice of the fact that, hey, this guy who played five years ago, this guy who played 10 years ago, this guy who played 30 years ago, is here supporting us, coming to practice to speak to us after practice, or give us a pep talk or whatever. I mean, and I think, like I said, Ryan McKnight and the JFPA deserve a ton of credit for that. But so does Stig. Yeah, you know, he has helped foster that too.
0: No, yeah. Well, everything can go back. Everything that can, that's special about the program can always come back to yeah, him. I, mean, I think yeah, so. He's been the uh, underlying um, thread. anybody uh, Anybody, the bars, the tailgate, anything? Anybody mentioned uh, this podcast? Anybody? A lot
1: of people did. No yes. kidding. Yes, okay. They did. Yeah. Well, and now that I'm uh, starting a new job, everyone is wondering if we're going to keep doing it. Okay. Um, so, yeah. as, as of right now, for anyone listening, I don't see why we wouldn't.
0: Well, nobody's listening anyway. So, right.
1: Right. 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 Uh,
0: had to say that. All right. Well, that's 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 the perfect transition. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know how to frame a question for this. Just just go ahead. I mean, um, it, but by now, anybody listening to this is a devoted enough follower and fan to know that uh, you're leaving the Yargis Leader, you're going to a thing called SiouxFallsLive.com uh, under the wing of Forum Communications, which owns the Fargo Forum, uh, WDAY Television and Radio in Fargo, uh, they Mitchell
1: uh, Daily the Republic.
0: The, thank you, and uh, unlike some, like your former employer, or your soon to be former employer, I mean they invest a lot and they're, they're crushing it. Yeah, uh, What what went into this decision? Um, it's got to. It's got to be incredibly. I mean, y- you've read all the comments from everybody. Yeah. Obviously, eighteen. What eighteen years? Of the Argus. More Nineteen. Than that? Nineteen years. Almost
1: twenty, counting when I started as a stringer. Basically, you know.
0: your only job as an adult, besides yeah, they hired uh, me right out of college. Pretty fry much. cook at Buffalo Wild Wings. Uh, <laughs> Wild. So it's. I can't imagine the um, the tug of war the, uh, for it making was, the decision and, and then and, and then moving on.
1: It was very very hard, and it shouldn't be. You know, like it's a kind of a no-brainer, given the climate, what's happening. Um, Just in the last few months, the Argus leader has lost a lot more people. Um, You know, I was furloughed in December. People have been bought out. People have been laid off. Our staff, you know, continues to shrink. We had 60 people in our newsroom 10, 15 years ago. Now we have eight, I think. Staggering. But even as recently as a year or so ago, it was like 16, you know, and that still felt like a fairly robust, robust is maybe too strong of a word, but, I mean, we still had enough people to do what we felt like we needed to do. Maybe not in sports, but overall. But then more cuts keep happening, and it kind of becomes apparent after a while that, there isn't going to be a comeback. You know, there's been a lot of hope that well if we can get through this rough patch or if if journalism can figure out a, a you know, a plan, a strategy, something that can make it more sustainable, we can build back up. You know, yeah, we have 16 people right now, but maybe in 10 years we'll have 25. You know, well it's it's going in the opposite direction. Having said that, um I've always been fiercely loyal to the Argus leader. And I think I hope people understand that the Argus leader is not the villain here. The Argus leader is, you know, a group of people, in my opinion, people who I love very much, who are owned by a company that is doing what I think it, it thinks it's, I'm not going to go on a rant against them as much as I could. They're doing what they think they got to do. Fair enough. Okay, fine. Um, but I don't feel very valued by that company anymore. And, um, I had always kind of said, you know, that I felt like I was going to go down with the ship, so to speak. I mean, this was my the news, the newspaper I grew up reading as a kid. Um, you know, when I read Stu Whitney and Mick Gary covering the Skyforce and the Canaries when I was in middle school, and you know, getting to work with them for ten, twelve, however many years it was that I worked alongside them was kind of a dream come true. And then when they left, it changed things a lot. And then you know, more people left, and it it, it just you know, it was weird because losing them hurt. Um, but it also meant that, you know, (laughs) Oh, Hey, I'm the only guy now I can do whatever I want basically. So my job was still fun. I still enjoyed my job and I still do enjoy my job, which is a long way of saying, um, I didn't seek this opportunity out. I didn't, uh, go, Oh, well we're getting furloughed and everyone's getting laid off. Let me find my exit ramp. I want out of here. I was like, hey, I'm going to put my head down and keep doing the work because I love doing it. And, you know, maybe if I keep doing great work, it'll help things turn around. But this Sioux Falls Live thing was in the works, unbeknownst to me. And then when I became aware of it, some conversations started happening between some people involved with the forum communications. And I was kind of like, yeah, I'm interested because I don't know what kind of future I have. And I assumed that even if something was going to come of it, it was, you know, maybe going to be a year down the road, you know, because this is kind of a startup thing. And it's like, well, whenever you guys get your ducks in a row, you know, get back to me and I'll talk to you. And it was basically like, no, we want you to start right now. It's like, oh, oh. And that's part of what made it so tough, because Shelley Conlon just started as our news director at the Argus after Corey Myers left. And... I'm, I'm just kind of basically in love with Shelley. She does an awesome job. I'm really happy for her, and I really wanted to kind of help her lead our newsroom through this, be at her side as best as I could. Um, she was an awesome reporter. She's just a great person. She's the right person to be in charge of that room and, and to have to go into her office and tell her, hey, I'm leaving yeah. right at a time when she needs me was incredibly difficult Did to
0: take her by surprise
1: yes and no I mean at this point no one is surprised by someone leaving the Argus right yeah. but also you know she's and to, to her credit she was very happy for me she was very supportive but she was like ah oh, damn it you know and you know Mike McCleary is gonna be our only sports writer at the Argus for the immediate future I hope that they make an effort to replace me in some capacity to give him some help but in the meantime <laughs> He's 24 years old, just got here from New York a couple of years ago and now he's trying to cover the entire state for the biggest or for the newspaper in the biggest city in the state.
0: He's I mean, got his work cut out for traditionally him. Traditionally at that paper just the high school job is such a big undertaking. Right. You know. And then
1: he had USD on top of it yeah. now potentially SDSU whatever else. Um but Michael do the best that he can. He's really grown a lot in the last year. When he first started, he was not quite ready for this and he struggled with it. He's really come into his own, and he's doing a really good job. I think he's got a really bright future. I'd echo that. Um, And so I tried telling him, like, hey, this sucks for you in the short term. You're going to be getting it from all sides. You're not going to be able to make anybody happy because you're going to be trying to cover, you know, a million different things. But I was like, hey, look on the bright side. You know, you've got some job security. (laughs) You're the only guy there. But also, you kind of get to do whatever you want. You know, you don't have to worry about keeping this fan base happy or that fan base happy. You just wake up every morning and go, what's the sports story that needs to be told today? Wherever it is, SDSU, USD, Washington High School, Mitchell, Aberdeen, whatever. And that's what you do. And I really hope anyone listening to this or anyone that follows me keeps keeps following what Mike's doing, keeps following what the Argus is doing. because. I know it's not what it used to be, um, but it's certainly not the fault of any of the people that are there. Right. They're busting their ass. They're trying. And the best thing I can say about the Argus Leader, and this has always been true, when there were 65 people in the newsroom and now that there's eight or nine, whatever it is, those people care about this community. And they're trying to do the best they can because of that. Uh, they're trying to tell the stories. They're trying to report the news. They're trying to hold people in power accountable. Yes. Um, and that matters. And I'm rooting for them. I hope they can, can find a way to sustain that and continue to be a vital part of the media landscape in Sioux Falls and in South Dakota. But having said that, uh, especially as someone who's older, you know, when they start looking at cutting people, those are the first people yeah, they look course. at cutting. Um, so this was just an opportunity that, again, was, was given to me. I didn't go out looking for it. And frankly, they made me a really good offer. Um, and I just felt like I have to do this for me because Basically, once Mick and Stu left, that was when I kind of realized, oh, I might not get to choose when I leave. You know, this isn't some like, oh, do I want to be here till I'm 65 or do I want to go do something else? It's, no, it's like, oh, at some point, there, someone's going to tap you on the shoulder and say, you're done. And I don't want to say I was okay with that. I had just sort of made peace with it. Like, I guess that's how it's going to work. Sometime in my late 40s or early 50s, I'm going to have to go out and find another job, probably find another career. And just in case people don't know, you're what, 41, 42? 42. Okay. Um, so I was like, yeah, I, you know, I, I have a few more years of this before someone literally tells me you can't do this anymore. You're gonna you gotta work somewhere else, and I don't want to do that. I don't I don't. This is all I'm good at. <laughs> I yeah. don't want to try to start a new career, and I also don't want to go, you know, yeah, money's nice, but I don't, you know, want to go to some boring ass eight to five Joe job even if it does pay me really well. You know, this is what I do, this is what I, I love doing. I feel like I haven't worked a day in my life, you know? And the forums, that was their sales pitch. That was, we want to pay you to just keep being you, just keep doing what you do. We want to give you an opportunity to do this well into the future. Well, Gannett can't offer me that. They can't promise me that. Yep. And so, like I said, as, as painful as it was, and I'm not lying, it was very, very, very painful. I had to do it.
0: Right. And so, is it going to be, I'm sure you have asked this, the pieces of the pie? Because you're kind of going to do what Mike McCleary is doing at the yard. Yes. You're going to be the sole, for now, right. the sole sports writer for right. SiouxFallsLive.com. Right. So, is it up to you? Or is there a plan? The pieces of the pie? Is it going to be well, a lot I of mean, Jacks heavy? Or? It's, it,
1: the Mitchell Daily Republic is a big part of it. They have two sports writers, Zach and Landon, who cover the Mitchell area for the Mitchell paper. Okay, so
0: their stuff is going to be on SiouxFallsLive.com as Not well? Not necessarily. Okay. My stuff
1: is going to be in the Mitchell Daily Republic okay, is okay. a better way to put it. Yeah. Um, and that's a, the Mitchell Daily Republic obviously is a print product. I don't know how many days a week, a week they print. But right now, Sioux Falls Live is online only. Mm-hmm. Um, my top priority in my job will be South Dakota State, um, but I will also cover some USD, some Summit League, Missouri Valley Conference at large. Because, again, it's just me there's not a a second guy to pick up any of that um i'll be probably the the area where i'll probably pick up coverage the most i think will probably be high school i already do a lot of high school football as it is i'll probably have to do some high school basketball which i haven't done in a long time some recruiting coverage uh in the summer we'll see what that looks like maybe amateur baseball maybe high school and legion baseball of stuff possibly that too (laughs) yeah um
0: more than the checking in on the Canaries and yeah
1: we'll and, see yeah um, and then like I said that will work in conjunction with Mitchell with with even Fargo uh-huh. you know and uh, we'll see what happens I mean it's like I said right now there's no print product for Sioux Falls live maybe that changes I don't know um, right now Sioux Falls live is free I don't know if that'll if it's going to be forever mm-hmm. if this becomes a really successful venture I would probably envision some sort of subscription model down the road uh, because I think the idea is to build this into something that can have its own newsroom where it's not just me and Patrick Lally, who's right now doing news the news guy for, for Sioux Falls Live, my former boss at the Argus Leader. Um, and there, the Forum Communications is starting a TV station here in Sioux Falls that's part of that. I won't say too much about it since I know that competes with you. But um, that will have its own, you know, you know yep. there will be that an element to that. Something. And there will obviously be some synergy between – the tv side of it and, and the the digital whatever writing side of it um i'm hoping it's successful and that we can have an expanded newsroom at some point you look at the fargo forum that's pretty much a, a model newspaper i mean they sent more people to texas to cover this football game than we have on our sports staff you know mcfeely Colpack, and eric peterson were all there plus dom is uh-huh. you know plus uh, more than that it was more yeah. than that i mean it's you know, they sent an army of people down there to cover the buys, and It was just me for the Argus, you know. And I'm grateful that the Argus sent me. I'm not trying to shit on them. Um, but it's just, it's a different, it's a different world. And to, to be able to join a company that's still investing, that, that is trying to make money by spending money rather than trying to make money by making cuts, like I said, kind of a no-brainer.
0: Yep, it is. Well, looking forward to it. Glad it's nothing's changing. Glad you're not leaving the market. And uh, glad that we're going to keep doing this because because your, your response was to those people that we are going to keep doing this. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's good. that's good to know. at least for another week, maybe. <laughs> uh, <coughs> that'd be good. Well <laughs> excuse me <coughs> uh, been sick for the last couple of weeks. Uh, congratulations sincerely. Thank Happy you. for you. nobody deserves it more, nobody's earned it more, and everybody. Everybody, I think, understands what uh, if you didn't if you hadn't laid it out perfectly before you just did. So, uh, with that in mind, I guess this is about it's been about an hour. I, I really wish I was wearing a diaper right now because I really have to pee. Um, <laughs> but if you, but, it, and we could we could address it later. But it is a big deal of Carlos Correa staying with the oh Twins. Oh my God.
1: I'll just give you a minute. What a
0: melodrama that was. I don't
1: know if you read my column over Christmas where I made a list of cr- my my Christmas list to Santa Claus. I, re- I wrote a column about that over Christmas. Oh,
0: I I do, yeah. And I did. the
1: first thing on my list was, okay, Santa, Carlos Correa failed his physical with the Giants. Make him fail his physical with the Mets, and then he has to come back to the Twins. And it was supposed to be a funny tongue-in-cheek yeah. thing. <laughs> but I did at, when I wrote it, I did think to myself like I think there's like a five percent chance that this could actually happen. Like, it's not completely just, you know, trying to be goofy, funny. Like, if he failed one physical, you know, shit, I can fail another one. Yeah. And I knew the twins for as much shit as they were getting publicly. Like, oh, another cheap twins. I knew that they, they still wanted him. That they uh-huh. weren't like, oh, we can't, we can't compete with the big markets. You know, like, I knew they were still like, hey, if something happens and when i heard the news on what was it tuesday after i got back from texas that indeed the mets deal has fallen through and the twins are fast tracking like i was like oh my god and i tried so hard not to get my hopes up and i failed miserably like i was just like i'm so excited for this i can't this has to happen this has to happen i i know carlos correa didn't have an amazing season this year at first glance you look at his numbers 290 with 22 homers okay you know that's really good it's nothing special but he's – the Twins don't get players like that. First of all, the Twins never have a good shortstop, and it's the most important position on the field, and the Twins ignore it all the time. Mm. They always have shitheads as shortstop. <laughs> all of a sudden, they have the best one in baseball. He's young and in his prime. Every team in baseball wants him. The fact that Correa was even willing to listen to the Twins, that he's even remotely interested in coming to them, if a guy like that is interested in playing for you, you've got to do everything you can to get that guy.
0: No matter what kind of money you're sacrificing Absolutely. for pitchers. Absolutely. If
1: it fails, fine. I'm glad that for once they didn't try to save money and do it on a budget. They threw caution to the wind and threw a bunch of money at this guy. He's an elite defensive player. He's a great offensive player. And he's such a good teammate, leader. I know those things, you know, we kind of say, oh, it's a cliche, it doesn't matter or whatever. But, like, it's very apparent that he brings a lot to that Twins dugout that nobody else would. Um, I, I, I'm just – I, I don't know if you saw. I was – the news came across when I, AJ was doing his Zoom press conference, y- yeah, and uh, I was like, I have to interrupt this and tell and tell someone. And, and if AJ's a Twins fan, so that made it a little easier to do it. Yeah. But I was just like, I gotta tell somebody that this has happened. Yeah. And, and yeah. AJ was like, Oh, cool. You know, I was like, Yeah, I'm so excited. Do wow. I think the Twins are gonna win the World Series this year? No, but they have a chance to make the playoffs now without Correa. They're a 95-loss team.
0: Okay, it was. Uh, it, it it it's. It's been enjoyable the the occasions that I get in my car, turn on a little sports talk radio like I did last night driving home, and to hear uh, a national sports talk host on uh, on Fox Sports, who's a Mets fan, to bitch about the Mm -hmm. Mets letting Carlos Correa go, but also why who the you know basically he can't cuss, but who the fuck would ever want to go to play in Minnesota? I was watching MLB uh, Network when they announced
1: it, and one of the anchors there, some woman, I don't know where she's from. But you could see she was just angry. Yeah. She's like where are the Red Sox? Where are the Yankees? Yeah. Why isn't someone else? Go- Why are we letting this guy go to the Twins? Yeah. I was just kind of like, whatever. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Gl- I'm glad that you're mad.
0: Piss and, off. And well, and I, I guess I didn't hear, I didn't see the press conference, but I heard about it. Like Scott Boris, who's his agent, and obviously he's one of the King Shark agents of all time. Was there's never been you know a huge d-bag and everything. Like apparently he made it painfully obvious that this is not what he wanted for his client mm-hmm. <laughs> that he was really upset at the Mets and uh, but the, the, he also the, was like
1: hey if 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 those other teams are gonna yeah you know get their own doctors to you know he's like
0: the other good thing about this is he's on the hook for six years instead of ten which mm-hmm. is what these all these guys even when they're thirty I would have given him ten
1: and lived <laughs> really, with, and lived with the consequences later really
0: you like him that much
1: i Again, part of it is the symbolism of it, though, too. Okay. Like, the Twins are always like, like, I get it sometimes. Well, they saying
0: Joe Maurer. I know he was already there. And and I never had
1: a problem with that either. My point is, sometimes you say, well, it's not worth it to pay this guy because he's just not worth that much. But then there's no one else on the market, so you just end up sitting on the money because it's like there's just no one worth spending this money on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I have defended the Twins in the past when fans have been like, they left 40 million dollars of payroll on the, they could have spent that like on what? There was nobody out there. I'd rather have the team pocket that money than throw 15 Got million dollars at a player who's only worth 3, something like that. Yep. But so this was that's that's the whole point. This this guy is worth that money. Got it? He is worth paying 35 million dollars a year. So do it. Even if you can't Even afford the,
0: pitchers that you need in the playoffs? They have a pretty good rotation okay. already, now right. granted
1: if their injury situation is the problem. But also, who's out there for pitchers? Verlander's off the table. Degrom's off the table. Let's say you don't sign Correa, and you've got that 35 million.
0: You're not going to get any good pitching for that. So much of this is a crapshoot. I remember. But I'm just saying you'd have you could
1: 35 You could split that amongst three pitchers. Cool. They're all going to be fifth starters. Yeah. There's no ace out there that you can sign.
0: Right. Well, I just remember like when there was Dallas Keuchel and Garrett Cole and some other guy were like the three hot shit pitchers in baseball. They were all up for free agency and. Everybody wanted the Twins to sign one of them and finally break the bank for a pitcher, and Garrett Coles especially. And of course, the Yankees got him. Where has it gotten them? I mean, you know, yeah. you just, God, you never know. With also, these guys. I just
1: don't, I generally am not in favor of throwing gigantic contracts at starting pitchers. Mm. They're just not worth it. Okay. Especially today. They, they can't stay healthy. No one can throw more than 150 innings before their arm blows up.
0: Um, Vikings, Giants, how much do you care? What do you think will happen?
1: I think the Vikings will win. And I'm pretty excited.
0: After that round, I'm not optimistic. But no, because they're probably going to San Francisco, and right. that's probably where the dream will die. But hey, they won at Buffalo. How yeah, was it fun to watch Aaron Rodgers and the Packers lose to the I'd, Lions? I, did,
1: I only got to watch a little bit oh, of it. The hotel in Frisco that we were staying in didn't get NBC.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: So I uh, okay. So I get done with my stories, <laughs> and I'm like, I want to watch this game. And uh, so I go driving into downtown Frisco. Of course, every bar is packed from Jackson Bison fans. At yeah. Bar. And the first bar I went into turned out to be a strip club or at least like a bar where like the waitresses are all naked. And like there were there was football on and everything. Okay. And uh, I'm like, oh, I guess... Do I want to – I was like, all right, I guess. I don't mind watching football with naked chicks walking around. So I tried – but there's, like, no <laughs> tables. So I'm like, okay. So I go to another place. Same thing. More like naked chicks walking around. I'm like, okay. Like, can I just watch – I just want to watch the Packers-Lions. Like, I don't care about – I, I it ended up at, like, the fourth bar that I tried. The, it, that was Pack 2, but there was a spot at the bar. And I went up there, and so I, I got to watch a game. No and
0: naked chicks? No naked chicks. Oh, okay.
1: Um, it's f- funny. I was kind of rooting for the Packers just because – Basically because I wanted Stu Whitney to be miserable. Yes. <laughs> but uh, – when, and also I just – once the Seahawks won, I was like, well, okay, I guess it would be cool if the Lions won and neither one of them made the playoffs. But I thought for sure the Lions would go in the tank yeah. knowing they had nothing to play for and the Packers would win 40 to nothing. For the Lions to win that game in Lambeau with nothing to play for, like I switched allegiances so fast. Yeah. Like, I was all on the Lions train. It's terrific. And also like – You have to give the Lions a ton of credit to win that game for Dan Campbell to get that team to buy into. Yes, we're going to try and, like, we're out of the playoffs. Who cares? We're going to play spoilers. I give a lot of credit to Dan Campbell. That was very impressive. Oh,
0: it was so enjoyable to watch. Now, you feel like the Packers would have given the Niners the way the Packers had been playing when four or five in a row, that they'd be more likely to upset the Niners and then come to Minnesota and you'd rather ha- obviously have the home game there, mm-hmm. uh, that would have been nice as opposed to the Seahawks, which probably don't have as good of a chance of doing that in San Francisco. But, uh, look, you know, you get the Giants. I-, I-, I'm su- I-, I guess I'm not surprised at how many people are picking the Giants in this game, even though they were very un- – I know the Vikings needed They should have six- won that game. The yeah. Vikings needed a 61-yard 61 61 61 field goal year. to beat them. I-, I still wasn't that impressed. No. And um, – but you know, the Vikings aren't
1: that impressive either. They the, win every game by the skin of their teeth. Well, but they do
0: have they do have at times a you know a motorboat of an offense, and uh, um, I just some think, very quality wins. I just think that makes day. a difference yeah. at home. I mean, if They lose, I won't be surprised, but I'd be more surprised if they lose. And then we see what happens after that. Um, and then Ed Donatel gets fired, and uh, hopefully, yeah, we all move. Uh, you know, we all move. We all move on from that. So I mean, we'll we'll. We'll talk more after we see what happens in that game, and then, uh, you know, I think in most scenarios, even after a national title game, we would have talked uh, had it not been, uh, Mr. You know, had it not been Mr. Big Shot's big career move over here, we probably would have had at least a little, uh, Coyotes and and Jackrabbit hoops to talk about. Start talking hoops on this podcast, but we will. Now that we know that the podcast shall continue, uh, we'll be talking a lot more hoops, and we'll get things launched. What a way to launch our hoops talk with. Uh, with a couple of Jackrabbits and Yotes games on Saturday, so that's it. And this may be the best walk-off in the history of this podcast. I really have to piss, so <laughs> that's it. Why are you left? That was a terrible outro. Fuck you.
1: Yes.